Let's face it, running a construction company can be chaotic. As business owners, we wear a lot of hats and we're constantly putting out fires. Luckily, there's a way to work simpler with Builder Trend. I'm a huge advocate for using technology to help run AFT, and Builder Trend is one of the most crucial tools I rely on to keep me on top of every detail. Built just for home builders and remodelers, this is an easy-to-use platform that helps manage all aspects of my business. My team's been using Builder Trend's project management platform for the last five years, and we love that they're always improving and adding new features to make our lives easier. This is something that we've really tried to take on internally to find ways to improve our system every day. Builder Trend just released a full set of financial services, added new tools like Takeoff to make estimates more accurate, and launched a total rebrand with a new mission to help change the future of construction, and we are on board. To learn more about how Build-A-Trend can help calm the chaos in your construction business, visit buildatrend.com backslash AFT. When you schedule a demo, you'll receive an exclusive 60-day money-back guarantee only available to my podcast listeners. I'm following Build-A-Trend into the future in construction. Come on board with us. We are just a few months away from the Contractors Coalition Summit here in Scottsdale, Arizona. It'll begin on Sunday, May 7th and complete on Wednesday, May 10th. We had two events that were completely sold out last year. The first one in Nashville, second one in Huntington Beach with Nick Schiffer from NS Builders and Morgan Molitor from Construction of Style. Again, make sure that you get out to Scottsdale. It's going to be an amazing event. We only have a few seats left and we're going to be speaking about all things pricing, project management, how to make money inside and outside of your business, you know, contracts, client expectations, building that organization. And again, just the marketing aspect, social media. One of the most amazing values of this conference is not only the content that's produced and a lot of the information that's handed out to those that attend, but also the networking, being there with 30 like-minded builders around the country, being able to have a, someone to contact and reach out to on any questions you have moving forward. It is an amazing event. Hurry and sign up. Again, www.contractorscoalitionsummit.com. We'll see you in May. We're really looking to engage all five senses in any of the spaces that we design. You know, there's so many other details than just the way it looks. Obviously, from a design perspective, the way it looks is super important. But what's even more important is the way it functions. So welcome to the AT Construction Podcast. And today we have founder and CEO of the Designers Group, Blima Aaron Troy. Welcome, Blima. Thank you, Brad. I'm so happy to be here. I have heard so many of your podcasts and seen your work <laughs> on LinkedIn, so it's a real honor to be here today. Yeah. Well, same. I'm, I'm glad. I know we spoke about, we connected through LinkedIn, and of course, I, I mean, it's been a long time, many years we've been following each other and been super impressed with your work and the business you've built, and especially in the commercial space, you know, it's, it's, it takes a lot of talent, in my opinion, to succeed in the commercial world. So, you know, cheers to you for that. It's been fun. <laughs> Yeah, well, we're going to get into that because I think this is really important. I know that, you know, flex spaces, workspaces, companies, employees has changed. You know, what have you seen in your career? How has the design um, focus changed for your clients over the past couple of years? It's interesting that you asked that because I do think the whole concept of an office has really changed now, especially since COVID, because so many offices have a work from home structure, including ours. And so it's important that there is a space for people when they do want to come in, but also keeping in mind that they won't be using the space a lot of the time. So there are so many flexible office solutions that we've incorporated, such as <clears throat> having time to use specific office spaces, modular furniture that can be moved to accommodate however many people are coming in. There's also a lot of technological tech. Did you say we could stop, by the way? Yeah, yeah. we'll just keep going. We'll cut that part out. I'll okay, because I never yeah. usually have that you could stop, but the fact that you told me that, now I'm taking advantage of that. Um, so there's so much technology that can be used in order to also accommodate this work from home slash coming into an office hybrid work environment. Do you feel that, so as you're working with companies, you know, and they're looking at their commercial space and, you know, this is not going to be so much specific to maybe healthcare or, um, you know, the restaurant industry, but when you're speaking specifically to like office people that have an office, um, you know, it could be businesses, company, real estate, whatever it may be. You mentioned that there's a hybrid scenario. Th does that create more of a challenge? Because you mentioned the modular furniture, 
that they may have offices set up. They may have a hybrid where they're moving that to maybe a bigger meeting location. You know, if everyone's in the office at the same time, how does that make your job complex trying to figure out day to day for each of your, you know, clients? We love a challenge. So for us, that's just something that allows us to be even more creative and push the boundaries of design even further. And I think that having this flexible type of work environment allows people to be able to work in so many different ways, which also gives the advantage of being able to attract and retain talent in different ways than we used to be able to. And that's one of the reasons that at TDG, we've incorporated this remote work culture where we have a virtual office that our team can go into rather than coming into the office so that we really have the best designers working for us, even if they are not with us together physically in the office. So you, you brought something that's really interesting. I think, you know, for a lot of us, no matter your industry, you're thinking about, okay, how do I train people, right? How do I not kick them off a cliff and then sink or swim, right? In my company. And a big part of that to have good retention is you have to have a good landing zone where they come in and they're trained and they're understand, you know, and that retention becomes a huge thing with talent. How does that play a role for you now designing these spaces? The reason I ask is, you know, for a long time, people would talk about PayPal or Google or Apple, you know, how they have, you know, these sensory experiences and they may have, you know, free breakfast, um, you know, for their employees, you know, all these different things that really don't build company culture, but they're an asset to the company to retain talent. You know, how flexible are your clients looking for ideas from you to create, you know, experiences in your designs for them to retain their talent? Our clients really want to build up a team that's really passionate about whatever it is that they're doing. And that's really what we look for when we're taking on clients. We want people who share our values. And when it comes to our office clients, the ones who are building businesses and looking to bring people into a physical space, they want to give their employees whatever it is that will make them comfortable coming in. So we've designed daycares inside of offices so that people with children have a space for their kids to be during the workday. We've designed different quiet areas so that people can, if they're flying in, they have an area where they can relax and rest. We've done so many different concepts. And what I really love about it is that our clients give us that flexibility and and they want to hear our ideas. They Sometimes we come up with it together with a client and sometimes they just give us the floor and tell us, let's see what you come up with. And that really is something that we love to do because we're problem solvers. We look at a space and we want to figure out the best way to maximize it and the best way to give the people that are using the space the best experience that they can have. And that, kind of plays into that immersive experience where we're really looking to engage all five senses in any of the spaces that we design, because we believe that the real experience that you'll have is when all your five senses are engaged. So no matter what industry type we're doing, and that plays into office spaces as well, when we're looking at the smells that the office has and making sure that the cafeteria doesn't leak into the office area and not just that, but making sure that it's bright, it's light, the environment is conducive to productive thinking, there's enough space, the sound doesn't carry too much. You know, there's so many other details than just the way it looks. Obviously, from a design perspective, the way it looks is super important, but what's even more important is the way it functions. And that's definitely something that we're very mindful of. And we spend a lot of time and we're thoughtful in the way we're designing a space so that whoever is using it has the best experience, whether it's when it comes to the sound, to what they're seeing, to what they're feeling, and just overall encouraging them to be the best that they could be in that space. So essentially, if I understand correctly, because I was going to ask specifically, but you've kind of already gone through this when you, when you speak about maybe there's a daycare option, right, for some of the employees. And you talk about some of the, you know, making sure there's no aromas, right, leaking from one area to another or, you know, bright lights and the functionality. Um, so as a designer, when you think about sensory experience, right, which is something that plays a role in your design, I know that's a real big part of, you you know, your team at TD, uh, TDG. Is that what you mean by sensory experiences? 
you know, incorporated in your design? Definitely. That for sure plays a part. And I always say that so many of our memories are started by like a smell. And I know that we're working on the design of a school right now, quite a few schools actually. And when I think back to my school experience, I remember the smells of the lunchroom. I remember the smell of walking down that corridor and what those feelings are that were invoked when I was a child in the school and also how the environment there made me feel. So it's really something that I think about when we're working on any type of space, just that entire experience and how we can really make it the most, the best experience for everyone in the space. And you mentioned early on, you said, you know, for you, the ideal client is someone that kind of shares similar values, right? That you have with your firm, you know, specifically as you're looking at clients, what are some of those values that may overlap that they have as well as you? PDG's mission statement is designing with purpose, creating a better world. And I believe that that really explains who and what we are. We're designing with passion and using our skills and expertise to really make the world better. And that kind of plays into all the different initiatives that we've started as a firm, because I believe that using our platform to make the, better, the world a better place is what we want to do as a firm. So we have our designs that we do, which obviously are making everyone's experiences better and giving people their best possible environment to accomplish whatever it is that they're trying to do. But then from that, we also launched quite a few charitable charitable initiatives that we're super passionate about and play right into our values and really align with them. And something that we're super excited about that we just started working on and we've just announced today is an app for one of our nonprofits that we run through the firm. So the fact that we're working on an app, which speaks into our creative side using technology, which is something that we love to do and really using that to make people's lives better is something that I feel so lucky that I'm able to do. And I know that my team shares those values and are also so excited about the good that we're able to do. So walk me through this app. So this app isn't specifically for TDG. This is more for a charity arm that you're involved in. Yeah. So a couple of years ago I was moving and I had extra furniture based on my new place that I was moving into. I had some extra pieces and I don't know what to do with them. So eventually I found a friend who was able to use them, a friend of a friend. And I realized, hey, this is a space, we're actually a commercial design firm, but in the residential space, when people are moving or when they're getting new furniture, because furniture is so big and bulky, it's hard to repurpose it if you don't need it anymore. And at the same time, there's so many people who need furniture who cannot afford it because furniture has gotten even more expensive, especially since the pandemic and with all the stocking issues and everything like that. So the idea was born a couple of years ago. And what we do is we match people who have furniture to give away with people who need it. And it's been so rewarding seeing people who don't need something anymore. Effectively, it's garbage for them and giving it to someone who could really use that. So at this point, we've matched up thousands of pieces. But the way it really works is that there needs to be that person facilitating the furniture's delivery, the donation of that piece. And what we're working on now is developing an app so that when someone's looking for furniture, when they have furniture to give away, the whole process is seamless. So right now we're in eight different locations and we hope with the launch of this app that we could be in 300, 500. Like there really is no limit of the reach that we can have. And that's what's so amazing about technology because you can take something that you have and just make it even better. And we use so technology when it comes to our designs, we're building out virtual experiences for our clients. 
for the spaces that we're designing so that they could experience the space before it's built. We think that that's so important on so many levels, both from an investor's perspective before they're putting in all that money for the space so that they could really understand and visualize what we're trying to do. And also from a collaborative um, mindset where everyone on the team really knows exactly what's going to happen and how the design will play out. So that's also something super interesting that we've been really focused on expect, expanding here at TDG. It's interesting because I do want to get back to like the maybe the mentality or purpose behind the charity, you know, because this is not I mean, this is not an easy task to take on this responsibility, right? So getting to the app itself as you're creating this, you know, to have this perfect pair or this perfect match, you know, how are you vetting uh, maybe both sides, right? Those who are actually going to be donating the furniture and then those who will be receiving it to make sure, you know, is there a qualification that they need to have to be able to, you know, be up to get, you know, this furniture based on, you know, whether it be, you know, personal wages or salary? I mean, how are you just vetting, you know, A and B for both of them? So people have asked me that question at this point already, because we've been around for two years and people are donating their furniture. And sometimes people ask me, how do you know who's getting the furniture? So even though I'm not involved day to day, I there are different volunteers who are working in every area. There are different volunteers on the back end. But I always say, if someone's asking for the furniture, to me, that's enough. We're not investigating, we're not checking people's tax returns or anything like that. If you're saying that you want a free piece of furniture when you know this is a charity and it's going to anyone who can use that, if you believe that you could use it, then awesome. We're happy, we want you to take that piece and enjoy it. And there are some people who repeatedly are getting donations and then there's other people who are following our different groups that we have set up for them to be able to see what's available. And it's it's really just about whoever feels like they could use that, we're happy for them too. And and I, I think that I think this really plays into, like I said earlier, who we are as a firm. We're really about making the world a better place. And that's the reason for some of our other initiatives, like the TDG Insider, which is a an initiative, a program that we started that prospective designers, like someone who's interested in getting into design, but they don't know too much about it, they can apply on our website. It's a five question, question and answer form, and they can come to our office and experience a day at TDG. I remember when I wanted to become a designer, I didn't really understand what it entailed, especially on the commercial side. And I remember trying to ask around and I really didn't know who to talk to. So as soon as we had the office here in New York fully established, it, it was the perfect opportunity to be able to offer this to people. And not only have we had numerous people come through our doors and really get to experience a day at a commercial design firm, but they have the opportunity to be mentored by any of our lead designers if they would like that. And we actually hired one of the people who came. He was spending his day here and our HR, the girl who manages the hiring, really liked him and offered him a job. And he's working here and he's great. He's such an asset to our team. So I do believe that anytime you give back, it comes back to you as well. It's interesting because as you start speaking about your legacy and you said this early on, essentially for you, you know, you think we're designers, you know, designing with a purpose and designing a better world. Well, that's great when it comes to the business element, right? As you're working with clients and you're trying to maximize their vision and you said designing with purpose and this goes back to early in the conversation, you know, the sensory roles and, you know, how people are designing hybrid spaces and so forth. But now when you talk about making this a better world, I mean, that's really your legacy, right? Your mantra, which is all the charity work. You mentioned your mentoring, you know, mentorship of young professionals. And these are not easy tasks, right? As you're also trying to fit furniture for certain people that may be in more of a need. You know, why the philanthropy side, right? Why, you know, I understand how it does align with your brain and what you're selling. But personally, you know, it takes time, right, to go and do these charitable things. So, is this something that's always been important to you? Is it an upbringing thing? I mean, how do you view that aspect to 
you know, as you're separating your schedule. Cause I, I will say just kind of teeing this up for you is that most successful companies and entrepreneurs that I've met, there's always a give back aspect and all the ones that do that, as you mentioned, always pays forward in some way. Definitely. I think that's probably, I will give my parents credit. Uh, I grew up and it really, it was drilled into us from a young age that we're here to make this world a better place. And I think that that's one of the reasons that I did go into design because every day as my job, I get to really do something that I believe in and seeing the spaces and people using them. You know, I talked about that a little bit, but I remember when I was in high school, we had to do community hours and I went to visit a nursing home and I had this really nice woman that I visited. Her name was Maria. And every week I went to visit her and eventually I did all my hours, but I continued to visit her. And what was really interesting to me, and I, I think this is when I decided that I want to go, that I want to design, but I, I didn't realize it at the time. She moved buildings, basically the nursing home that we would visit her in. They were renovating, they were re renovating it and moved her into a new building. And I was able to really see the transformative power of design from the way she acted when she lived in the older home and the newer home. Even though she was getting older, I was able to see she was refreshed. She was happy. She was so much more positive. And I think that that's when it dawned on me, like, wow, the environments we're in really have such an impact. And fast forward now, 15, 20 years later, I am designing the second largest nursing home in the country. So being able to have that kind of impact is something that just means so much. And I feel so lucky. And I think that that kind of translates to my team as well. I know that everyone really believes in what we're doing. And they're all so happy that we have this opportunity. And that's one of the ways that we've really um, you know, targeted who and what kind of projects we want. We want clients and projects that have an impact. And that's really what we're looking to do. So we're in so many different industries. There's multifamily where we think that if people have a good home environment, it, you like there's that's your foundation. And that continues on to your schools, which we're designing. We're working on healthcare centers and medical centers, and there's a senior living side of our portfolio. So we've really gone into so many different spaces that all have an impact because it's something that really resonates with me and my team. So let me ask you this, you know, maybe as, you know, to break this down a little bit, I, b before getting into maybe some of the specifics of your scope of work, um, what made you choose commercial as opposed to residential? When I started designing, I actually started with residential. And I remember one of my first projects was a home in Toronto. And there was a woman in Toronto who bought a house specifically for the purpose of a community center as an after school pro programming spot for girls to get together, have different activities, have different mentorship training sessions. And she brought me in to design that space and originally it was a home and what i had to make it look like was more of a public space and when i worked on that project that was when i clicked because i used to go and see the girls using the space and i was inspired and i realized that this is something that i want to get into areas where we really could maximize our impact and that's what we that's what we did it's interesting because if you think about it, um, you know, as commercial to residential, there's definitely more of an impact as you start thinking globally, what you've done, right, to make this impact and not only the, the individuals, as you mentioned, to feel refreshed, feel happier, right? You're, you're actually, it's kind of the X factor, right? It's to the X because you're in the commercial world. How big is your team? Right now, we're at a little over 40. So I would say what? 42. Yeah, that's amazing. So this is not a small operation. So th to get to 40, I mean, just, you know, I think about just the size and the structure there, because what's interesting is you mentioned even your company and firm, you have a hybrid model, you know, some are working from home, 
how do you navigate that with 40 people, you know, the accountability, the camaraderie, the culture, team building, I mean, all these things that you believe in and are part of your company. Now you're trying to operate that internally as well with 42 employees. It's been a learning process for sure, but I really think that I would only have been able to do this with amazing people behind me. And we have an incredible team. Our team is super diverse. And that's something that I think really adds to the collaboration that we have here. We have so many different religions, so many different cultures and backgrounds and everyone together working together the result is just exponentially better and i think that designing purposely purposefully is also part of that we're looking at spaces to make them more inclusive and to make them more accessible and when we all work together and share this vision that's when we're able to have the best result and we've really been working on refining our processes. And that's something that we spent a lot of time on figuring out a, a way that it really works that everyone could collaborate together. I think that COVID really kicked that off in a much faster way than we otherwise would have been able to do it. But we really had to look at all of our processes and make sure that we could have them working even if people weren't actually together. And the fact that we do have this remote work structure has allowed us to grow and it has given us that ability to really grow quick, quickly, but also continuing to do the same quality of work that we're known to do. So as you think about, you know, your normal day or week, right? As CEO and owner, you know, founder of, of TDG. What's interesting is you mentioned refining your processes because what I've seen as uh, probably our biggest weakness in years past that we've been focusing on, you know, especially as you start looking at maybe business coaches or people that are familiar with your line of work, they always say you have to avoid double work, right? You have to make sure that everyone fully understands their role, you know, how they're operating on a day-to-day. -day. And so we've spent more time recently just trying to understand, as you are, refining that process so that everyone's working at top efficiency. There's no overlap, which is saves time, frustration, money. I mean, everything's, you know, a bonus, you know, as you figure out this process. How has that been, especially with 42 people, to really understand, you know, your process? Because it's, it's very complicated. As you mentioned, you have diverse projects from multifamily to hospital to office space. So these are diverse clientele, diverse projects. And now you have 42 people operating. That's why I said it uh, has been a learning process. That's for sure. And I think one of the important things was really refining our process as designers. We have a detail-driven process that we follow through on every project, whether it's in the healthcare industry, whether it's retail, whether it's hospitality. We have the same process that we approach every space with. And that lends itself to everyone knowing exactly what they're supposed to be doing. And what we've been working on recently is really refining our onboarding process for everyone who will be working remotely or in some sort of hybrid model so that they all share our vision. And we have to really nail down, what are our values? Who are we? What are we trying to do? And, and I think even that process, I believe that it clarified things for myself. I always knew what I wanted and how we wanted to position ourselves as a firm. But going through that process of trying to give it over to someone else, I believe that it really solidified to me who we are and to our clients as well. Because now we know exactly what kind of projects we're going after, who we want to design for. And the short answer of that is really any space that we could have an impact on. So with 42 employees and as you're going through these processes, how often are you meeting together or does that happen, you know, for training and coordination, you know, working through processes? So we set up a system where there's lead designers, there's project managers. So I would say bi-weekly we'll have meetings with everyone, but otherwise I have meetings weekly with certain key employees and 
otherwise I'm the type I want everyone to feel like they could reach out to me and talk to me because I do like to be involved and I care about everyone on our team and I want them to know that. So I am very available at any time, but there are certain people that I speak to less on the daily just because in order for us to function properly and in order for me to get anything done, we had to set it up in that type of structure. This episode is brought to you by Pella Windows. When it comes to building homes at AFT, almost every project has Pella Windows. And they've been just an incredible partner of ours. And locally, Sammy and Adam, they are not only amazing business partners behind us, but they are super close friends. And I speak on the podcast all the time about the importance of relationships, right? Relations with our customers, with our vendors, with our suppliers. Because at the end of the day, I'm only as good as those that help our brand and assist us in our projects to, to take it from the ground up all the way to completion. And if we didn't have partners such as Pella, there's no way we'd be who we are today. Over the years, we've built this amazing relationship. When we call them or email them, they respond. They're quick. Their they're company culture, their integrity, their honesty, you know, they are always there to do what's right for us and the customer. They can do anything from small replacement projects to large custom homes and even multi-million dollar commercial projects. And also, when you think about their product line, they can do ultra contemporary, historical preservation, and large traditional projects. So for anyone, any scale, any size, they're the ones to call. They're here local. You know, they have an amazing Instagram. Make sure and give them a follow to see what they're doing. So if you need windows and doors, give Sammy and Adam a call. We stand behind Pella. We love what they do, their culture, their brand, and especially their quality. And if you want to learn more about Pella Windows, check our show notes. We'll have everything tagged there so you can give them a follow and have their contact information to reach out. And, you know, as you start thinking about just that coordination between all the team members, you mentioned that there's diversity in, you know, employees and their backgrounds and cultures and religion and then the diversity of projects from multifamily schools, healthcare, medical. Um, do you have, you know, a certain part of your company just focus on multifamily, certain aspect of them on healthcare, some on offices, or do a lot of them work, you know, cross-branding between the different ventures that, that you're designing? So it's interesting that you ask that because I do believe that a designer who has experience in one industry should be a part of that industry and apply her knowledge and her expertise to that project type. However, we have been bringing over ideas from one sector that we're working on into another. For example, our healthcare projects. We have been approaching them from a hospitality standpoint. For example, we recently designed a string of urgent cares over COVID and we approached it from a spa perspective. Why, when you get stitches, is it an experience that gives you anxiety and you're nervous about it, but when you're going to get a facial, it's a luxurious experience. So we designed this space like a spa. And I remember the first grand opening that they had they had people from the police department coming and different community leaders. And I can't remember who it was, but someone turned to someone else and said, hey, this feels like a spa. And I walked over to that person. I'm like, you don't know, but you just made my day. This was our vision. And the fact that you're walking in here and you're, and then I was like, hey, wait, did someone pay you to say that? But really, <laughs> that was a feeling when you walk in that this is, an enjoyable experience. This is something where you should feel like the level of care matches the environment that you're in. And this summer, actually, my father had open heart surgery and he was in an incredible hospital. The doctors were top level, but the actual hospital is years old. So it felt really decrepit. We're sitting there in the waiting room and it just felt sad and depressing. And then after the surgery in the room he was recovering in, again, like the window blinds didn't open, the bed was creaking. And even though intellectually we knew he was in this hospital because this was where the best doctor was, we didn't feel that. And I gave him a job. I told him, any of the nurses that walk in, find out who owns this hospital so that we could redesign it. And I think that he was really able to visualize and see what we're doing at TDG because being in that space and me talking to him about 
how much better he would be feeling if he was in a beautiful room, even though, like I said, he was getting the best care, but your environment around you really makes such a difference. And that's why we're passionate about the rehab centers that we're designing, because if someone wants to get better, that's already half the recovery. I think this is a really important point. As you think about this, just from a design perspective, there's a lot of correlation. You know, I've seen this uh, in residential design, right? Especially through the pandemic, you know, how certain people feel in their home, how health is more of a priority and how the home is designed, right? It, it adds so much to just the, uh, the standard day to day, you know, that most of us approach, you know, life. And it's interesting that you bring the spa experience into the medical field. Was this something that just came because, again, that cross-examination between training of your team, you come up with this concept because I've never heard of anyone saying, okay, we can all understand the spa, and there's a lot of med spas and health spas, right? And to cater in urgent care like this, I think that'd be a very transformative in the industry for my children who are scared of the doctor, anyone, right, to come in and have, like you mentioned, for your dad to have, you know, windows, natural light, and you know, the, the aftercare, because surgery is one aspect, but then the aftercare, right, as they're recovering. You know, how has that played a role in the excitement just of your customers and clientele to see you thinking outside the box and really, you know, changing the industry, if you will? So like I said earlier, I believe that our clients share our vision, and that's one of the reasons that they're hiring us, because they see our vision and they believe in what we're doing. And just to speak to your point earlier, we're designing a lot of skilled nursing facilities. And our first nursing home that we designed, we approached it also from a hospitality standpoint, but from a hotel. We wanted that anyone who walks through the door feels that the level of care for their loved ones is at the level that the doctors are probably providing. So we built these beautiful lobbies with re gorgeous reception areas, beautiful lounges, and even the corridors. Like there are a lot of codes and, and different ratings that you have to ensure when designing such spaces, but we incorporated that with a hospitality vibe. And anyone who's walked into any of the skilled nursing facilities that we've designed really could say they're beautiful and they don't have that sterile, typical nursing home feel that people often associate those type of facilities with. So now what's interesting about the commercial aspect, you know, diving into that, you know, for your scope of work, it's one thing to design these very, you know, sensory experiences for your clients. What is your typical scope of work? Are you involved in the FF&E as well? Is this, um, you know, are you in with the very beginning with the contractor and architect? You know, how does that teamwork play a role from your integration into the project with the other team players? We like to come into our project from the get-go so that we can help with the actual layout because we think that the way a space flows and and all of that is so important from the beginning. But we're really here for our clients. So at whatever point in time they wanna bring us in, we're happy to be there for them. And it's actually interesting because we're designing spaces and because we believe in the experience of a space, we've actually gone into branding as well because we believe even before you step through the door, the experience should have already started. So whether there's a website, we'll consult on that. We've done logo design. We're working on facades, uh, the exteriors of buildings and developments. And we're really here for whatever it is that our clients want. And we're a creative team. So any of our branding, any of our social presence, that's all done in-house because we love it. It's part of telling our story and it's part of the creative process. I, that's super interesting because when I'm asking about scope of work, you know, I'm thinking, okay, coordination with contractor, with client, you know, you may have an owner's rep, you know, you have these different parties, um, but you're taking this a step further. That's one thing, not just the construction process and design process, but essentially it's the entire brand, right? It's the logo, it's the website, the landing page, you know, for those visiting. How, how many of your clients are looking at you, Blima, as a resource to say, let's look at the whole package not just this turnkey, you know, project in itself. 
I would say most of our clients are relying on us for the interior design because that's our expertise, but we are there if they need anything else. So when it comes to any of the coordination, we're there for it. We have a purchasing department if our clients want that. We are process and you know that's something actually interesting that I should bring up. We've grown organically. We don't have anyone doing sales right now. Um, we are at a point of growth, so that is something that I'm exploring. But right now, our growth has been or organic. It's been our clients, them recommending us to other people in the industry, the vendors that we work with, the contractors, the architects, they've been recommending us to their clients just because of the value that they see that we bring. But one of the reasons that we've grown is because we have a super detail driven process, which translates into amazing FFE and spec list and really great construction drawings where we spend the time making sure that everything's been thought out and that by the time the client is building out the project, they had all the details way ahead of time so that we minimize kinks as the project moves along. And there's a project designer who's there from the initial concept to completion, who's there every step of the way leading the design and driving the, our vision forward. Well, it's interesting because you're not like in this niche space. It's not like you're focusing on one small area of commercial design. I mean, you're in plenty of different aspects of it, as you mentioned. How do how what would you attribute to your success of the coordination? Because every contractor is different, every architect's different. You know, some of them may be easy to work with, some may be super complicated. You know, how do you work through the communication aspect to have this organic growth where you're being referred from vendors? you know, contractors, architects, clients, you're doing something right, right? To build this organically, to have just such a powerful reputation and collaboration that they're wanting to work with you again. I would say it's always making sure that we have more people on the project than necessary. So there's never a time that the client is waiting for an answer or the contractor with no one working on it to give them that answer. So there's always someone there for them. And I think when it comes to construction, as you probably know, communication is key. So we have someone there dedicated to driving the design forward. And they have a team with them who can facilitate any questions, any answers that are needed, and really make sure that whatever is needed on our end is provided. It's incredible. It's amazing. So have, I know you're very active on social media. You've been active on, you know, LinkedIn and other platforms. Has social media played a role in, you know, the business development arm? I'm sure it has. I'm sure it has. <laughs> it's hard for me to quantify it because we didn't have someone specific, specifically focusing on our metrics. We did, we are expanding our marketing team now. So you'll see a difference. <laughs> if you think we were good before, you just wait. <laughs> <laughs> but we are, we're looking at our metrics now. We're really at a point of growth and we're really looking to expand into different spaces that we haven't been. And not just space, like we're, we're in quite a few industries right now, but really expanding in each of those because we believe in what we're doing. We, we see the value that we're bringing and we want to have more of an impact. So in terms of our social media, I can't say that I have a quantifiable answer, but I definitely know that I go places, I meet people, they've told me they've seen our projects and they know about the projects that we're doing because of social media. So and I'm sure, oh, no, go ahead. Yeah. You yeah. Can and I'm out. sure that people seeing our work and then they actually walk into those spaces that definitely plays a role into them hiring us. Definitely. Well, yeah. Well, I know you've been really active on social media and whether, you know, it's hard to pinpoint, you know, the exact value we'll call it or business exactly. development that comes from it. You know, you have been active on it. And, and from my understanding, you have someone running that arm of your company. When did you realize, Hey, it's time to outsource this, to have someone, really build up our social media and run that for, for you as a company? So we're not outsourcing. We are continuing to do it in-house, but we are expanding the amount of people that we're having working on that. So we have 
someone from our team who will be running it. And we've been strategizing together of how we want to position ourselves, who we're looking to reach and how that will play itself out. So those are just some of the conversations that we've been having. And we hired a few more people to work on that. And it's still new. I can let you know how it's going in a month or two. <laughs> <laughs> and then from, you know, the wide variety of projects, how often you um, are you involved in the FF&E, you know, the full package from, you know, furnishings and fixtures and equipment, everything that may go in the restaurant or the hospitality project or, you know, multifamily. I mean, how often are you get involved in that arm? I would say 95% of wow. the time we want the space to work together. We want everything to seamlessly work with each other. Uh, we do have some clients who are developers and they have furniture from other sites and they'll bring them in. We don't love when that happens. We don't find that the design has that cohesive feel. We like it when it comes to design, it really is all about the details. So that final piece, the furniture or the FF&E, if there's no vision behind it, I don't believe that it ever has that cohesive feel and that experience that we're looking for in the spaces that we're designing. Have you seen any fluctuation in demand from your clients with the current market? You know, interest rates have gone up. It's affected some, you know, residential markets. It's affected some commercial markets. How has that played a role just in, you know, your backlog and projects that are upcoming? So it definitely plays a role. And, and that is one of the positive parts of us being in so many industries, because when one industry is going down, there's another one consequently going up. So there will be different points of time where we'll have more of one type of project and less of another. And, and that's really what we're concentrating on, just keeping busy and working on the projects that we have. I am not so good at looking at numbers. That is not my strong point. So I can't even tell you exactly how many projects of each type we have right now. I'll say that we're probably in the middle of about 82 ongoing projects last time I checked. So, but each project is at a different point. Some of them are busier at certain points in time. Some of them are less. We have it all like on one monday.com spreadsheet, if you, if you call yeah. it. And so that's how I see the number, but in each industry, it fluctuates. And then, you know, from your location, you're working not just locally, but nationally, I'd imagine. So what are some of the different parts of the country you've been working on? So we're based out of three locations. We're in Toronto, New York, and Miami. Our office is actually in Hollywood, but I say Miami because people, when I used to say Hollywood, would say, California. oh, California, exactly. Yeah. Um, so we, we have those three offices. Those are our three bases. And then we're really working on projects throughout the US and Canada. And depends on the different points in time, we'll have different types of projects in different areas. We're doing a ton of multifamily throughout the US. In Canada, we're working more on like healthcare senior living in other parts of the country. Whereas in Toronto, we have all different types of projects, but that would be where we're holding right now in terms of the project types. Um, we're doing a lot of healthcare, senior living throughout the U.S. as well. We're working on schools. We're working on hospitality. Yeah, there's it, it's never a dull moment, I'll say. So many different types of projects. And each one, what we love about it, each one is so different. But yet the principles are the same. So it's a really enjoyable process. And when deciding if we should go into one niche or really keep ourselves more open ended and working on different industries, the key is to have an expert involved in each of those industries. But at the same time, I love the challenge that each of these portfolio types brought and it keeps it keeps me stimulated. It keeps our team on our feet. It keeps us thinking and challenged, which we love and makes our job so interesting and so enjoyable. 
Well, I think it's interesting because uh, with, with your brand, I mean, yeah, today you can sit there and say, okay, we have 80 projects, 40 employees, and we've worked in this vast array uh, of projects with different clientele. So we do have that expertise, but there's some point in the process, you know, as you're building your company that you don't, may not have the expertise in hospitality or multifamily. So what did you attribute at that time to say, Hey, here's a new venture. We're capable, we're competent, you know, we know enough, you know, did you have any, um, you know, th thoughts holding you back or maybe a barrier to entry, you know, for you to pursue and say, no, let's do it. We'll figure it out. And then now we'll become experts in that. And that's just another tool in the arsenal. So I always loved the challenge. So for me, going into a, space, a new space was never scary. It was more about doing the research, asking the right questions, hiring the right people, and making sure that we could really do the project right. I remember our first nursing home that we designed. I went probably to 50, five zero nursing homes just to see how they were functioning. Like I said, when I was in high school, I used to go, but I never looked at it from a design perspective. I was never looking at it from an operations standpoint. But once this was a space that I wanted to get into, I wanted to make sure that I understood what we're doing. And and not just nursing homes, there's assisted livings that we're designing, there's independent living, there is memory care. So I wanted to make sure that I actually understand what it is that we're going to be working on, even though there's people on my team who might have more experience in those specific areas, but I wanted the knowledge so that I know what we're doing. And, and I think that that's important really always is to keep learning. And even with any of our projects and any of our processes and the materials available and the technology available, like if you want to be successful and you want to be good at what you're doing, you have to continuously learn and make sure that you're staying on top of all the current trends and whatever it is that's the latest technology out there because technology keeps evolving and we want to be innovative and make sure that our clients are getting the best service and the best possible design that they can. It's interesting. I think essentially that's the nugget I was looking for because it's one thing to say, okay, I have this ambitious personality and I'm going to go after nursing homes. I haven't done one. I'm going to go after it and then figure it out as we go. That was never the strategy. You've said, okay, I'm going to go after nursing, but I'm going to go to 50 nursing homes, right? I'm going to do some research and development to understand the rhyme or reason. And, you know, as that applies to me as a builder, same thing. Like if I'm going to go on a hillside, well, I need to understand, you know, the complications of building that type of project, you know, working with vendors and subcontractors, trade partners, you know, peers of mine and really understanding, okay, what, you know, what's the risk? What um, can I do better? What can I add to this? And essentially that adds to your growth. So, I mean, Blima for you, what's, what's amazing to me is like, you're super young, you have, you know, 42 employees, 80 jobs working in major cities throughout the country and, and North America. Did you ever anticipate when you started the designers group that you would grow to this level? I mean, you, you know, looking where you are now. Definitely not. <laughs> and people always ask me like, what's your business plan? And <laughs> I never want to answer, but there was no plan. It was more taking advantage of opportunities as they presented themselves. And now we're at a point that we're really scaling and we're really looking at a lot of potential growth. And now is when I'm actually sitting down, looking at our numbers, looking at the performance of the different industries that we're in, looking how we can make an impact. And obviously I'm not doing it myself, but I, this is the point in time when I'm really trying to put a plan together so that we could have that exponential growth that we're looking to have. And, and I think that really, you know, they say man plans and God laughs. I think that we have to put the work in. We have, you know, I have potential designers calling me all the time. They want to get into the industry. Do I think that they really need to go to school or could they take a couple of courses? And I always say that if you want to get into an industry, you want to do it right. Like I have my master's in interior architecture and design. I first laid the groundwork. I did the work. I went to school. I got experience at an architectural firm and then I started the firm together with another designer, but we 
I, I laid the groundwork, I did the work. And it's so important for people to realize that, that you have to put the work in, in order to have the result that you want. And that's what we do here. Well, any new space that we're working on, we put the work in any space that we're designing, even if we've designed it a hundred times before, we're still putting in the work in for that specific space. And that's why if you look at our designs, there's no copy and paste. Each space that we design is unique and we'll bring in different people to collaborate on it. So we get that fresh point of view and it really is about putting the work in, but then the results that you have could be that much more amazing. Well, this makes sense to me because earlier in the conversation, you mentioned that ideally for you, you're involved in the project early because you can look at, you know, the, the plan, the project and add, you know, just some elements that are really important. And where that comes back to is your background that you had architecture, right? You have a master's in architecture. So I've seen that a lot of the really savvy and sophisticated design firms I've worked with, they have an architecture degree. They understand, they know enough about the building side. You know, and so you mentioned that, yeah, you have to invest in yourself. You have to invest in these things don't happen overnight, right? It's not like you went to 40 employees overnight. There's whole preparation that led you to this point that, you know, expertise and experience. And now you can lean back on, especially as you're building your company and offering advice to your clients. Definitely. For sure. For sure. But when it comes from a business perspective, that's when I don't have the plan. When it comes <laughs> to design, then sure, I could like come up with plans from today till tomorrow forever that I love to do. But when we're looking at numbers and crunching and that wouldn't be my strong point, but that's part of building up a team is looking for people who are amazing at the things that you might not be as good at and everyone working together to bring out each other's strengths and not just strengths, but I also think that when building a team, it's all about empowering the people in your team and having that positive energy. And, you know, there's a couple of things that we do here. When we used to hire people to come work in the office, what we would do was we had them come in for a few days for a trial. And the reason for that was on both ends. I wanted the people who are potentially going to be joining our team to decide if this really is the work environment that they're happy in and that they feel as passionate about the projects we're doing as we do. And also from my team's perspective, I would always tell them like, you guys have the last word. If you like this person, we'll hire them because I really want the team to work together and collaborate together. And another thing that we did was, and we still do it, um, just not every week anymore, is the TDG star of the week where everyone would submit something nice that someone on the team did anonymously. And I would read it out loud, nothing to do with design, just about them as a person. And I loved that because I was reading it and I was so proud of our team. I would read it out loud and wow, this is amazing. Look what he did, look what she did. Like we have this amazing group of people together. And it also is great for the different people on the team to hear their, to hear what they're doing and how it's appreciated, not on the design side, just from being a good person and we're really into collaborating and it's not about i know sometimes in design firms it's super competitive and you know people want to get ahead and it's about their own accomplishments here is about the team's accomplishments so i'm much happier if someone takes a little longer to do a project because they were helping someone else with something because i think that that's really the best way to have the best work and it's about enjoying what you're doing. We're here working most of the day. And if you're happy, you could be more productive. And when you're in the creative space, being more productive really is so much better when you're happier. So that's really what I believe in here. Yeah, well, it shows. I mean, it just shows in your candor and communication, Blima. And, you know, that example of you mentioned about someone writing down what someone did, you know, that builds team chemistry builds culture, team building. I mean, all those things play a role. And what's interesting is you're, I think any good CEO understands that, you know, if you're the visionary, you have to have someone that's the implementer, right? That's going to implement, which is what you've done. So you have this team around you now that, you know, are, are strengths to maybe your weaknesses and you have strengths. And then that kind of creates this amazing chemistry you have now looking at your company, what keeps you up at night? What are the things that stress you out? you know, 
currently, you know, with TDG as well as maybe the future? I mean, if I was looking for things to get stressed about, I would never sleep. Yeah. Listen, we're in the construction industry, right? But I think I'm more chilled in that way. I try not to worry and just hope for the best usually. I mean, obviously, I want us to continue to grow. I want to continue to make an impact. I want my team to be happy. I want the world in general just being a good place so that we could continue doing what we're doing. But I I can't quantify a specific stress. I think that in general, just want everything to be good. <laughs> well, just, I mean, again, cheers to you, Blima, because it just shows like the time you've spent building your company, understanding the processes, putting them in, you know, areas to be successful, essentially what, you know, with them in the right role, it takes the stress and burden off of you as a business owner. And, and again, like you said, that I, is very applicable to me that as we're looking at a new venture that you've actually done the research, you're not just going into it blindly, you're spending the time to prepare for it. Um, so for you, you mentioned you're a mentor, right? You mentor a lot of young designers coming in. What about for you early in your career? Did you have a mentor? Did you have someone that gave you some great advice that has still played an impact today? So I have a lot of great people that have helped me tremendously, especially I am from Toronto. I moved to New York and essentially started the firm from scratch here. And so many people gave me opportunities. There's even today when I have questions, there's so many people that I can call and who will listen and hear me out and offer advice. And I believe that you can learn something from everyone. And that's really how I've approached having a mentor. There's so many different people that I ask questions to. I have different friends, different family members, different people that I know from the industry. And it's all about just really learning from everyone. And I've been really lucky that people have taken the time so that I can learn from them. But I've also implemented the different things that they've told me. And I see the difference. It's incredible. So what do you have that's upcoming and exciting? Well, I told you about the TDG app, the Furniture Exchange app. So that's something that we really, I had a couple of meetings before this about it today. That's really like what I've been thinking about. And I'm just so excited about that because of the impact that we're able to have. Our, the different technologies that we're using to build out our spaces is something that we've also been focusing on. We're working on a school right now and they're having a dinner um, this Monday. And four, four of our designers are actually going to the dinner with VR headsets so that the parent body could experience what the space will look like before it's built. It's a fundraising dinner to help raise money for it. So we're really excited about that because people will get to experience the space and before it's built. So we can get that feedback from them, hear what they have to say. Um, and I am going to San Diego tomorrow for a senior living conference, which I'm excited about. We have some really good meetings lined up and I'm also excited about the impact that we could have on the senior living space that we've already had, but to grow that impact. And I think the weather is not going to be that great, but hopefully I'll be so busy meeting people <laughs> that it won't matter. And well just, and just like excited about everything that we have coming up and continuing to have this impact and that our designs resonate with the people who are using them and just creating a better world. Well, I almost interrupted you because I grew up in San Diego, but it's funny in the Southwest, we typically have amazing weather this time of year, Phoenix, which is where I'm at now, San Diego. Um, but the hard thing is, is that we've had this cold front come in. So it's been a really cold winter for us, rainy. I mean, even in California, they've kind of had some weird weather, but I'm sure it's still going to be a little bit nicer in New York right now. So hopefully <laughs> <laughs> I was working in Florida for two months and then now I'm back in New York for the past two weeks and it's been so cold. I thought I missed <laughs> the cold, but no, nope, I managed to still be able to catch it. <laughs> Oh, that's amazing. So, well, where, so yeah. Blima, where can our listeners find you? 
so we're on all social channels. They could, if anyone has any questions or wants to reach out to me, you can go on our website or email me directly. Our website is thedesignersgroup.com and my email is blima, B-L-I-M-A, at thedesignersgroup.com. Well, Blima, you've been amazing. I know you're a super busy lady, so thank you for making time and coming on the podcast today. Oh, of course. Thank you. So great to really get to chat with you. And I look forward to staying in touch. If you want to go visit your hometown while I'm there, let me know. <laughs> It'd be great to meet you in person. Likewise. If you give value from the show, please support us by giving a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you listen to. And I also have a favorite ask. We've had some incredible guests that come on and share their wisdom, their knowledge about their business. So if you have friends or family members that could benefit from those episodes, please share it with them as well as any other business owners that you're networking with that could get value from the podcast or certain episodes, please share those as well. Again, subscribe, make sure you're following any questions that you have, topics. We've had uh, listeners reach out about certain guests that we should have on the show. Again, brad.l at aftconstruction.com. Email me for topics to address, guests that we should have on, and even if you think you'd be a great guest for the show. So again, thank you for all your support and we'll see you next time.